as we go today. So raise your hand and they'll give you one of those. And as you're getting ready, we're going to review the first three weeks of the series in case this is your first time here or you just need a little refresher. We first established from God's Word that every believer, every believer has been given both a mission and a ministry. You've been given a mission. It's Jesus' mission to take his gospel, his good news, out in the world wherever you go, that we don't go. And he's given you a ministry to build up the church. Ephesians 2.10, we looked at, for we are God's workmanship, praise God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and me to do. Then, number two, our job as church leaders is to equip you for this. Don't forget this. Ephesians 4 says, He gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So this is all of us. We're all involved in the ministry. And then number three, when you fail to do your part, the entire team suffers. The Bible is very clear about this. Please don't let that happen. Ephesians 4, 16, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. When? When each part is working properly. So we care for each other and build each other up. But we need all of you, everybody. And then number four, you will understand the purpose for which you were created. In other words, why are you here? You will discover that when you understand how God shaped you. That is our goal is to understand God, God's character, God's word, and what it says about us, and we learn so much about us and where we fit. How did God shape you? The great Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. God did this. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, God figured out what he wanted you to do, And then he knitted you specially for that purpose. That's what the Bible teaches us. You are not assembly line made. You are custom made by God. Number five. In our last sermon two weeks ago, we started a three-week mini-series inside of the six-week series called the Shape Series. And the S in shape we looked at last time stands for my spiritual gifts. We learned a lot about spiritual gifts. One of the things we learned is that you have them. At the moment of your salvation, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts to serve others with. And I don't know about your small group, but in our small group, it was kind of fun. Sometimes those spiritual gifts tests uh, don't really seem to be accurate. You're like, nah, that's not really me. Uh, But in our small group two weeks ago, uh, it was pretty amazing. Everybody agreed basically, with, with what the test said was their spiritual gift, and we started recognizing in each other, yes, I, I do see that in you, and I, I do see how you're using that uh, to serve Christ. And so that was pretty exciting to learn about each other, and that's the value of doing this uh, with other people. So today, we're getting further into the shape. We're getting to the H and the A today. That is heart and abilities as we see our shape, our God-given shape, unfold. So let's begin With heart, listening to your heart. Another word I like to use for heart, as we try to understand this concept, is passions. 
We're all passionate about some things in our lives or some interests or some causes. Well, God has placed that passion there. Okay? God is the one who formed you in your mother's womb and who continues to form you and shape you now. He has given you a heart for certain things that he has not given me a heart for, for instance. I like to use the Apostle Paul as an example. Paul, Paul who wrote much of the New Testament, was a driven servant of Christ. I mean, he was so passionate and driven. What made him so driven? Well, he tells us what his passion was in Romans 15, 20. He writes, my constant ambition, my constant ambition, this is what drives me, this is what I have a heart for. What did he say? My constant ambition has been to preach the gospel where the name of Christ was previously unknown and to avoid building on another man's foundation. So his heart was to go where the gospel was unknown, and plant churches. He, today, we would call him a pioneer church plant, planter. And that's great. That's awesome. That's who he was, and he did that faithfully. That might not be your heart, your passion, right? So the question is, what is your heart? What is your passion? And as we journey, you, you need to listen to your heart. First Samuel 12, 20 says, Serve the Lord with all your heart. So you need to listen to that. What, what is it passionate about? God put those passions there. But we need to do that wisely and rightly. So let's look at what the Bible says. Here are four ways the Bible teaches us to better understand our heartbeats. Number one, the Bible uses the term heart to describe the bundle of desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, dreams, and affections you have. It's like the, the center of our being. This is what drives us. And here we can see the difference between your gift, that was our last focus, the S, the spiritual gifts, and your heart. And here's the difference. Your spiritual gifts, your gifts, are what you are. They're what you have. I am this, I have this to give. Your heart is going to be where in this world, in this life, with what group of people, you're going to apply who you are, your gifts. Okay, you got that? Gifts is what you are. Heart is where you're going to apply that and be most fulfilled and make most of it your most greatest impact in serving where your heart is. Now, it's fascinating that physically, our physical bodies, uh, doctors say that each person has a unique heartbeat, just like fingerprints. No two people have the same fingerprints. The same with your heartbeat. Your heartbeat has a different strength to it and rhythm to it than any other human. It's fascinating, isn't it? And it's the same way with your emotions and spiritual nature. Why is this? This is God's, God's design for us. Uh, and that's our next question, number two, is why has God given each person a unique heartbeat? Why is this? Why are we so different? Why are we so unique? Well, Revelation 17, 17 is, is the verse that's on here. And although the context isn't the most uh, positive context, it teaches us a, an important principle, an important truth, that God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose. So he has put in your heartbeat uh, and it's unique to you. And why? To accomplish his purpose for you and his purposes in the world. So maybe God has put in your heart, I mean, I could, I could be here all day listing things that 
each of you has a heart for. And as I get to know this congregation more, I'm just, I'm so inspired by it all, and I, and I so enjoy our differences. Uh, some of you have a heart for children. That's great. Um, for teenagers, we see a huge youth staff here. Uh, maybe it's for fostering or adoption. We've got that here. That's evident. For overseas missions, there's all kinds of missions. is a wild frontier where any kind of gift and heart can be used. Or maybe it's caring for the missionaries themselves. We've seen that heart. I saw that on display last week. Or maybe it's for battling the injustices of the world. Praise God for that. Boy, do we need people with that heart in the church on the mission of Jesus. Maybe it's battling false doctrine. Praise God for that. I love that heart. Maybe it's caring for your family full-time. Absolutely. A great thing to have a heart for. So start thinking now, what are your passions? I think it'd be all over the map. Maybe even start writing them down. Make a list. Number three, beware. Our heart can lead us astray. But I thought you just said, the whole point is to follow your heart. Let's talk about that. Walt Disney built an empire on the basis of following your heart above all else. Now, here's where it becomes a problem. Following your heart above all else. You know, a dream is a wish your heart makes. It's in your head now, isn't it? Have faith in your dreams. Follow your heart above all else. And when you really dig into this, this is a religion. It's called humanism. And this is its basic tenet. Humanism places man at the top of all that exists. Okay, and the heart as our only guide. That's breaking the commandments, the first commandment. You shall have no other God before me. And what does the Bible say about the heart? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, based on this, do you think that following your heart above all else is really good advice? It's clearly not. Follow God above all else and recognize what he's given you a heart for. Now, we have followed our hearts above all else in America in the last several generations. And what has happened as a consequence of following our hearts above all else, divorce has proliferated. My heart's not with him anymore. My heart's not with her anymore. Well, I'm following my heart. I'm going to end that marriage. We killed 60 million babies in their mother's wombs in America alone because we're following our heart. It wants something else other than a baby. We've become addicted to escapes and alternate realities of all kinds, alcohol, drugs, pornography, extensive video gaming, and now the prison of social media. Why? Because we're following our heart. It wants to be fed other things. When we follow our hearts instead of God, it takes us all kinds of destructive places. And it, that has been proven very, very clearly. We've followed our hearts and redefined marriage. We follow our hearts. And election time, you know what we do when we follow our hearts? We choose our own political beliefs over what Jesus says to love each other and be unified. We follow our hearts over God to our own detriment. It has not served us well, and it never will. Now, despite all this here in our own country, which we love, and God has been very merciful, gracious, generous to America, 
And despite of all this turning away from him, following our own hearts, elevating ourselves above him, which is gross sin and worthy of his judgment, he has chosen to be very merciful to America over the years. And you have to ask why. And I would just like to say, I believe a big part of his mercy here is because of the prayers of faithful saints. And so I want to encourage, we were in our prayer meeting, we have a prayer meeting every Sunday now at 9.30, and we pray, and we pray. Uh, America just had a national prayer day a few weeks ago, and that was inspiring. And there are praying faithful saints. There are still faithful saints in this country, and I believe that that is why God is so merciful and gracious to our country. Now let's make a difference here where he's made it, where he's placed us. This is why we are here. The prophet Joel speaks God's direct words to us on the matter of the heart. Listen to this. Just listen. Joel 2, 12 through 14. I just read this in my Bible reading the other day. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts, and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. Powerful words, clear instructions, right? This is what we want. And we can make this impact in our community, in our world, by turning our hearts toward God first and enjoy all that he's given us a heart for as we give him the glory and follow him. The Bible proclaims, again, that God is the one who's given you a heart for the things you have a heart for. You make the choice whether you use those passions for your own self-centeredness or for his glory. And he's made it very clear which is better. One brings damage. The other brings reward. You decide today which you will serve with your passions. And now it's time to discover your unique passions. Number four. Here are some questions to help you discover your heart, your passion. These are on your notes, and I would like you to take the time to really thoughtfully answer these. Not right now. That means you have to remember to do this later. Here are the four. Just start. You can start answering these right now. What do I love to do? What do I love to do? What need or cause motivates me to action? What do I really want to accomplish for God? What do my dreams and desires drift toward? God has shaped you for the answers to those questions. So I hope that you can thoughtfully answer those and then get counsel from others about your answers. Other people will guide you and see things in you that maybe you don't see. Well, everyone following the study guides for the series... And I know that's definitely most of us. And if you haven't gotten one, you can still get one. Uh, But everyone following the sermon and the small groups uh, are are going to, everyone is going to do the H and the A self-assessments, the heart and the ability self-assessments. And um, here's a picture of our family just doing the heart assessment yesterday. That was fun. And uh, it's going to take a little thought from you because the heart assessment takes you back to every stage of your life. 
And it gives you some guidance on how to look back and reflect at the things that you've been good at, that you've excelled at, and that God has given you a heart for, and how they've changed and grown over the years. So I encourage you to put some thought into that and, and do that well. Now, I understand that looking back to your childhood for some of us is, is more difficult than others. Uh, yeah, it, it took me a while to, to stimulate those thoughts again. And I understand that for some, it's painful to look back into some of those seasons of life. I'm going to encourage you for this time, go there. Because you're going to see how God has directed your hearts to where you are today, right now. And it's going to be really, really revealing to you and, and lead you to worship him and strengthen your group or your family, whoever you share that with. It will pay huge dividends for you. And we are now officially two-fifths of the way through shape. And already, we could stop now, and, and I think we would be set to tear into exactly why am I here. Because already, God has shown us what he's gifted us with and where, where we would like to use those gifts. So already, we've seen that. We're already making great progress. For example, if God has gifted you with the gifts of leadership, and you have a heart for children, then you can find something children-related to lead in. See how that works? Pretty neat. And you can apply that with any of your gifts, any of your heart. If it's little children and you're gifted with leadership or administration, then would you consider being our new nursery director, which we'll need by the end of this year? Uh, that's a great plug. Let's see how that fits. And if I'm speaking to somebody out there, you know, the Holy Spirit might be speaking right to you today. Let's say you have a heart for rescuing children. Then you might want to look for an organization to lead in or serve in that's in a fostering or adoption or child trafficking, something like that, which is becoming a more prevalent issue, and I'm glad for that. These are just examples. We could be here all day again listing these things that make our hearts sing or our hearts cry. What makes your heart passionate? What breaks your heart? All right, now we're going to discover the A, the abilities. What does God say about our abilities? And what abilities do we have that we can give to him and his service? Applying your abilities. All right, we're ready to make this switch from the second area of shape to the third. Let's see how abilities builds on what we've done so far. Your abilities, talents, skills. This is an area where it's especially freeing to do this. Okay. There comes in every child's life a time where you realize, I don't like this about myself, or I wish I could do this more, or this better. And for some people, we never grow past that. And it's really discouraging and defeating, and really kind of just keeps us doing nothing. I'll tell you what, this is the time, this is the moment right now where you can overcome that, and you can be set free from that. We're going to realize that God gave you, just like he gave you gifts, just like he gave you your passions, he's given you your abilities just the way he wants you to have them. And he is good, and he is in control, and he has a purpose for the abilities, talents, and skills that you have. And so today I want to challenge you. We're going to look at scripture and see what God says. You're going to discover the abilities that you have through the, through, through the tests and talking with other people. I'm going to encourage you to develop those that you need or that you want, and then to not worry about the ones that you don't have or can't have. 
All right. When God wanted to build the temple in the Old Testament, this is such a cool passage. We open to Exodus 31. There's some of the verses on your notes. But it just describes his master plan and how he's going to pull off building this temple. And let's just look at some of this uh, passage here, verses 3 through 7 on your notes. He says, And I have filled him, that's one of the artisans, the craftsmen, uh, with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. And I have given, verse 7, I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commended you. So, who gives the abilities? Who gives the abilities that we have? God. He's the giver of them all. And God's been doing this since the very beginning. He cares for us all. And at Community Grace, we don't want to focus on what you are not good at. That's, that's an internal focus we get caught up in as we focus on what we're not good at. We want to put that aside and focus what we're good at. That's what we want to focus on. That's why we say everybody is a 10 at something. Everybody say that. Say, I am a 10 at something. I am a 10 at something. So if you're not doing well or you're not fulfilled in whatever it is you're trying to do for Christ, uh, that doesn't mean you're, you're not the right person. It means it may not be the right fit for right now. So we want to find out where you fit. You're a 10 at something. And again, since your natural abilities are given to you by God, I believe that they are just as important as spiritual gifts and your desires. These are God-given, according to the Word. But there are many misunderstandings about abilities. So let's look at these five misconceptions about abilities, skills, and talents. All right, we're going to go through these quickly. Number one myth, myth number one. People aren't born with skills. All skills must be learned by experience. This is simply not true. When people say, she just seems to have a natural talent for that. Have you ever heard that? Anybody said that about you? It's probably true. There are many inborn skills and abilities that God just puts them there in us. We just need to develop them. Okay, now, of course, you can learn many, many others. We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to, I want to just uh, take this opportunity to read an email that was sent to us by one of our small group leaders, Vince Sell. I'm not sure if Vince is here today. I haven't seen him yet. Up there. Uh, all right. You all, you all know Vince. Okay. Here's what he said. He sent me an email a couple weeks ago that is just perfect here. He said, we had something funny happen in small group that I figured I would share. We were deep into the discussion of study number one when my two-and-a-half-year-old Theodore came up to me wanting to sit in my lap. I picked him up and held my study guide in front of him. Immediately, he grabbed onto both sides of the study guide and started jibber-jabbering like he was leading the group. <laughs> Pat Gano was speaking at the moment, and Theodore quickly quieted down and started listening to her. He started imitating me, what I do, while I listen. Hmm, yes, mm-hmm, really? I thought it was too funny not to share. Needless to say, we are having a great time getting to know people and enjoying the entertainment that having young children in the group brings. Vince. So thanks, Vince, for showing that. And right there we see that young Theodore already has some skills, don't we? He's either gifted as a small group leader <laughs> or at least 
mimicking his dad really well. These are skills that children have, that we have, that we're born with. All right, myth number two. Those skills which must be learned are learned primarily in the classroom. All right, that's a myth. Many of the skills that we have and that we need are learned in our homes, out on the streets, in our workplaces, and all over the place, somewhere outside of the classroom. Uh, But I want to add vice versa is true as well. Don't avoid the classroom if you need to learn a skill in the classroom. All right, myth number three. If you have certain abilities, you will be very aware that you have them. Again, this is not true. You have within you a number of talents and skills and abilities that you may not even know that are there yet until the right stimulus comes about to, uh, to draw those out of you. And many of the skills that, that we have don't appear until much later in life. I have a couple examples about this. I talked to our elders about this, and uh, Doug and Doug Buller and Matt Starrett each uh, shared with me how some of their skills developed later in life. Doug said first, he said, being an introvert, I never expected to be good at working with people, but it is something I enjoy, and he's good at it. How many people agree with that? All right, so if you don't know Doug, he was the head of school here and a teacher here at Warsaw Christian School for more than 30 years, and now he's working with people professionally every day, all day. And uh, he didn't see that coming. Good example. Matt had a, had a funny example. I have to share this one. He said, Matt, Matt's an avid hunter right now, okay? That's one thing you got to know about Matt. He said he did not begin hunting in, until after he was married, actually. He said, uh, in his youth, his dad and brother made fun of him for tossing his cookies at the sight of a skinned rabbit. <laughs> you, don't, you don't expect I'm going to be hunting when, when that happens. But now, not only does he enjoy hunting, but he works in an animal science-related field at Maple Leaf Farms. And he sees that stuff all day. And uh, these are his skills and abilities that he's using that he didn't see coming until much later in life. So you are not very aware that you have many of the skills. They're, they're inside of you. In fact, number four and five, continue this. Number four, skills that I use at work are only usable in that environment. I couldn't use them in ministry. And that is so, so wrong. Your work has given you rich skill sets and abilities that can be used to serve God at work and all over the place, wherever God gives you uh, influence. So be creative. Be creative how you can use that skill that you have from your work to serve God. And then number five, most people have very few abilities. And the truth is that many national studies have demonstrated that every human possesses somewhere between 500 and 700 natural abilities. 500 and 700. You just need some process of skill identification. How do I know my skill? And again, to help you in that, we have the self-assessment in the study guide. And the, and the abilities self-assessment is a generally a quick one and an easy one, but it's, it's really amazing how well it works. So you'll like, follow the instructions in there, and you'll identify um, in a focused way. You'll draw out some of the abilities that you have or that you may have. And then be sure to take those yellow pages, the assessments in there, and plug in your results in the personal profile from the front cover. The abilities go right there at the bottom. And the idea is by the, by the end of next week, when we finish shape, you'll have your whole personal profile mapped out here. 
And then we'll talk about how to look at common threads and find really exactly why God may have made you the way you, you are and placed you here and now. All right, so let me just cover a little bit more about what the Bible says. Here are just three things. I'm going to look to the Word, of course. First, and these three build on, on each other. First, your abilities include the natural talents that you were born with. And, and looking at, a, at an exhaustive biblical study on this would be really fun to do, but here's just several natural-born abilities that God identifies through, the, through Scripture that he has given people throughout the course of history. There are just a few. He's given artistic ability, administration, boat building, designing, writing, singing, and playing music, embroidery, Farming, it's a popular skill out here. It's harvest season. We're praying for our farmers. And some of you are very skilled. Fishing, it's a skill that he's given. Carpentry, being a soldier. And everybody's favorite, cooking. We love that gift. James 14, James 4.17 says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. God gave you these abilities that you have to shine with. It's up to you to find the places and purposes for which to shine them. But we know that the focus of them is not on me, on serving myself, but on God's glory and the benefit of others. That's why, number two, only when we abide in Christ can we realize the full potential of our calling and our shape. And trust me, a series like this can easily devolve or be misunderstood as some kind of a self-help mechanism. And I hope that you've gotten the point by now that we are not into that. In fact, it's a tragedy that so many of the top-selling books in the Christian bookstore over the last many years have been self-help books that don't really glorify God or credit Him. Very therapeutic, trying to dig our own selves out of our holes and find our purpose. There's no need to do that. The Bible gives us all we need to know about our purpose and, and where everything came from and why we're here. Now listen to this important ingredient that without this, all of it is worthless. It all leads to that self-centered destruction that we don't want. We don't want anything to do with that. Here it is, Jesus' words in John 15. Abide in me and I in you. Listen to this. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Only in a relationship with Jesus, only with our eyes fixed on Jesus, only abiding in Jesus do we avoid all these slippery slopes of doing things in our own power for our own comfort, for our own prosperity, for our own gratification, and end up empty and useless and powerless and joyless, keeping us from reaching our God-given potential and serving his purposes. All right, let's walk with Christ and glorify him in all that we do. Amen? All right, so this is a relationship. We talk to him. We hear from him. We fellowship with his people. We're on his mission. We're glorifying him. And he is with us through his Holy Spirit 
all the time. Abide with Christ. That leads us to number three. Abiding in Christ means that we will allow him to both maximize our strengths and work powerfully through our weaknesses. This is another, man, just a joyful truth from Scripture. We are just devastated and oppressed with weaknesses that get us into trouble, that discourage us all the time. This is a verse, the passage that Cole read at the beginning of the message. Let's just look at some of it again. 2 Corinthians 12. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Get that? It's when I'm weak that I'm strong because I turn to Christ's strength. When God works through our weaknesses, there can be no question who gets the glory. It's him, not us. And then we pray more, and he lifts us up more. It is just a great thing when we're weak at something. So embrace that, okay? There's a, there's a, um, there's a common misunderstanding about a, a certain phrase. It's, it's, the phrase is, God doesn't give me more than I can handle. I have a picture here. God, doesn't, God will not give you more than you can handle. How many people have uh, heard that verse quoted? <laughs> How many people realize that's not a verse? It's in Second Hesitations 5. Um, it's not actually a real verse. The real verse is that God will not tempt you above what you're able to withstand. Okay, you're going to be able to withstand any temptation to sin that comes across your way. Listen to this. He does give us more than we can handle. Do you understand that? We are crushed, but I mean... We're oppressed but not crushed, persecuted but not abandoned. Paul explains this all throughout his writings. Because when we have more than we can handle, what do we do? We turn to God and we admit that we can't do this on our own. We depend on him. We depend on others. We gravitate towards Christian brothers and sisters who can lift us up in our time of need, provide care for us so we can return that care to other people. Get this straight. Be biblical in your thinking and awareness of this. Your weaknesses can lead you to some of the greatest strengths in times of your life. So again, let me read that point again. Abiding in Christ means that we will allow him to maximize our strengths. I mean, we're focusing on our strengths mostly, but I don't want to leave out our weaknesses and the place that they have in us as well to bring God much glory and us much strength. Praise God. Amen? So we are now officially three-fifths through shape. Congratulations. <laughs> hey, man, if we're getting applause now, just wait till next week. Thanks, front row. Good job. How are you going to use your spiritual gifts, your passions, and your abilities? That's up to you. Uh, in the next couple weeks, we're going to start really uh, applying this more. We're, gonna, we're creating a list of opportunities to do in and through Community Grace and if you have some extra things to share, like I know some, some opportunities in our community right now that I think um, God really might use this church. And no, no local church can, can do it all. Okay? We can't solve all the world's problems as, as one church. But where is God calling us as a church? And where is he calling in, you individually and your families and your small groups? Um, we're going to be really applying those in the next couple few weeks. But here are three next steps that you can take right now. Okay? And I'm going to ask you to do these. Number one is to answer the four questions from the heart, point four, above on your notes. Those are the ones I said, don't start on that right now, or don't, don't finish them right now. 
Thank you for uh, not doing that. But now is the time to go back and answer those four, those four questions and develop and, and discover what you have a heart for from God. All right, well, you do that, show, the, show your answers with somebody. And then number two, of course, is to complete the H and the A assessments before your next group meeting, which for our small group that starts uh, in four hours from now, you don't have a whole lot of time. <laughs> you haven't done it yet. Um, so get out there and do that, and, and it will be really enjoyable to share those with each other and help, help identify and encourage and affirm that somebody has those gifts or maybe confirm that they don't, those kind of things. And number three, surrender your heart and abilities to serving the Lord for his glory and our joy. We do not want to be me-centered. There's no reason to be. There's no good in it. So surrender the heart and abilities that God gave you to him. And the first step of surrendering is to trust Jesus for his salvation, that he's earned for you by his death on the cross and resurrection from, from death. I'm going to guess that most of the people here have heard the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has paid the cost of our sins for the wages of sin is death. Death, that's what we earn. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's available to everybody today. If you haven't put your faith in him, just trusted him, just received his gift of salvation, you can do that from where you sit right now by praying to him and saying, yes, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner, I'm broken, I'm dead spiritually, but I know that you can give me new life. I trust you as my savior. That is surrender of the greatest kind, and that's where it all begins. So if you're ready to make that decision today, please do and write on your communication card that you did or that you want to talk to somebody more about that. And, um, and then baptism comes after that, which is coming up real soon. So you can uh, check that box as well if you're interested in baptism. Now, because Jesus is everything and he bought us by his sacrifice, he gave us the elements of communion, the bread and the cup, to observe, to worship, to reflect, to thank, to confess, to purify our hearts through confession and worship. And this is something we do once a month in here and then every quarter with a full meal and everything. That's coming up later. But today we're going to do it in the service. And uh, I'm going to call Tristan and the, and the worship team to come on up. Lead us in a song, The Heart of Worship. This is your chance to respond to him. And then we'll come up and do the bread and the cup. Thanks, guys. Uh, 